undoubtedly heard it said that the best things in life are free. This expression is referring to things we all value, but that no amount of money can buy. Things like meaningful relationships with others and ourselves, a sense of meaning and purpose, and optimal health. But I would submit that these things are not in fact free, but rather come at a price. The cost isn't money, though. These best things require constant work and effort on our part. They need to be developed and nurtured. We all want a long, healthy, vital life for ourselves and our loved ones, but how do we go about obtaining these things? What's the secret to lifelong vitality? Hello and welcome to the Over 50 Health and Wellness Show. I'm your host, Kevin English. I'm the founder of The Silver Edge and our mission is to help you build and maintain a lean, healthy body that you love for the rest of your life so that you can show up in the second half of your life as the healthiest, strongest, most vital version of yourself. We have a great show for you today. Neil Cannon is here and he's going to share the secrets to a long, healthy, vital life. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Ned. Ned makes the world's best natural remedies, and they're probably best known for their full line of full-spectrum CBD products, which are beyond organic. Their hemp is actually biodynamically grown just for them. Anyway, with the wild rise in the popularity of CBD products these days, there are tons of options out there in the marketplace, but if you want to be 100% sure that you are getting the finest available full-spectrum CBD, definitely check these guys out. Now, that being said, I am madly in love with their magnesium product. It's called Mellow. It helps me de-stress and it optimizes my sleep, and it's a part of my pre-bed routine every single night. If you're interested in learning more, head over to silveredgepartners.com and click on the Ned icon. And because you're a listener of this show, you can save 15% off your first order when you use the coupon code SILVEREDGE at checkout. So that's coupon code SILVEREDGE, all run together, no spaces. Okay, enough of that. Let's get on with today's show. Today is Neil Cannon. Neil is a health and wellness expert, a speaker, and the author of the number one best-selling book, The Vitality Secret, Defy Disease, Combat Common Illnesses, and Stay Young. Join us today as Neil shares his four pillars of vitality and gives us practical advice on how we can apply these pillars to our everyday lives to live longer, healthier, vital lives. I started our interview today by asking Neil how he became interested in optimizing health. As I'm sure you're aware, most people, in fact, everyone I've met who works in the holistic health space comes with their own story of healing and recovery. And this is certainly my experience from meeting a lot of people in this space and interviewing a lot of people. So my story was eczema. I had eczema for about 30 years from being a toddler. And it wasn't until my father's stroke when I had my proverbial wake-up call, as it were, and I just had this in and knowing that his stroke was avoidable. I was already in health and fitness. I'd written a book on health and fitness and how to optimize hormones for guys, actually. And it was my entrance into the world of holistic health, but it was quite focused on that. But I was familiar with this term called inflammation. And I remember my dad being told a few years prior to his stroke that he had chronic inflammation. This was by his naturopathic doctor sister, my aunt. And she actually warned him to get his mercury out of his mouth and his blood was highly toxic. And sadly, he didn't take action. And a few years later, he had a stroke. And doing some research, I, I just, because I kept on seeing this word inflammation everywhere, I thought, let's just do a bit more research in this thing called inflammation. I was hearing that it was the underlying cause of almost every chronic illness. So that is sure enough what I found to be true. And I found out it was the underlying cause of the asthma he'd had since 12, a fully reversible condition, the high blood pressure that ultimately led to his stroke, and of course, my eczema I'd had since a very young child. And I made some very quick, or not quick, reasonably quick, actually, lifestyle changes, dietary changes, 
fitness changes, various fundamental changes to my life, and my X amount went away. And since 2015, I've been helping people reverse chronic inflammatory health conditions. And since it's the underlying cause of almost everything, I've helped the people reverse quite a few different things. So that's my story in a nutshell. That resonates with me. I think everybody in this space, in the health and fitness space, is here because of some sort of personal transformation. Mm-hmm. It, and if it wasn't them personally, maybe it was a loved one or something. But for most of us, we've had some sort of transformation. We want to share that. Don't think anybody gets into coaching for the yeah. money. Yes. <laughs> but they do get into it for the passion, right? Mm. Because it's fulfilling and it's rewarding. Certainly. Now, you had mentioned that you had your own journey there with eczema and then with your father having the stroke and you're hearing this, hey, this inflammation, this thing is out there and it's the underlying cause of so many things. And if we can get that under control, and you had mentioned three things right off the bat, right? The eczema, the, the high blood pressure, and I asthma, think asthma yeah. was the third one that you mentioned. Now, I want to dive into chronic inflammation and inflammation. Before we start, let's go ahead and set the table here. When you say inflammation or chronic inflammation, what are we talking about? Yes, it's also often spoken about as systemic inflammation. So the way I see it, the Mm -hmm. easiest explanation is when we think of acute inflammation, for example, let's say you you injure a joint, an elbow, you smack an elbow, or you trip over and you injure an ankle, your ankle would become swollen. And your body sends various fluids to it. It warms up. It becomes heated. And the immune system does whatever it can to repair that wound in a very short period of time. And then it's normally healed. And then you just carry on with life as if nothing happened. Sometimes, unless it's pretty bad. With systemic inflammation, it's the immune system doing something similar. It's repairing the body. It's the immune system's reaction to what it perceives as an attack on it. So... It's, let's say something enters your body that the immune system doesn't recognize. It goes into a state of defense and it does this to protect you. It's a very healthy immune response. If it didn't happen, we'd die. So we need to be grateful for inflammation. But the only thing is when it happens again and again, it starts to become a challenge where it can pose a threat to our health. And the way I see it is if your body creates a symptom to tell you that you're inflamed, much like a warning light on a car. So let's say the oil light comes on in your car and let the normal course of action would be to go to a mechanic, get the mechanic to find out or do an oil change, find out why there's that oil light and fix it at the root cause so the light stops flashing. That is how I view the human body. And that's not really how the conventional way of doing things is. The, the, the current way, the conventional way, if you like, is to take a drug to mask the symptom. And in my case, I took various symptom masking treatments for 30 years. I used symptom masking treatment like steroid creams, which have left pigmentation in my skin. I don't know if you can see that. It's overuse of steroids all over my hands. And I did this repeatedly for many years, prescription moisturizers, which contain horrible, awful ingredients and antibiotics when it got really bad, which harm your gut. Sometimes they're necessary, but overuse of antibiotics cause a lot of harm in the gut. And that's the very organ you want to heal when you have a skin condition or anything else. So inflammation in a nutshell is your immune system protecting you when it happens again and again. That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. Yeah. And I love your analogy there of the car in the warning light, right? The check yeah. engine light. It would be, it would not be good practice for us to take our car to the mechanic for he or she, the mechanic to just cure the symptom. That is make the light go away. That's, that might, that alleviates the symptom, the light being on, but it doesn't do anything for the underlying cause. And there's going to be more problems down the road by not taking care of that. All right. So now we have an idea of what inflammation is and the difference between acute inflammation, which is a good thing, and then this chronic inflammation when things go awry a little bit, what are some of the main causes of specifically of this chronic or systemic inflammation? Yeah. So from a dietary perspective, it's one of the most tangible places to start with. There's many reasons why the body can be subjected to toxins. There can be internal toxins, there's external toxins. So let's just start with diet because it's easiest. If we consume something which is 
not in alignment with nature. Let's just put it that way. It's not created in its purest form. It's been man altered, for example. It's got artificial flavorings and preservatives, or it's deep fried, or it's been subjected to GMO or mutagenesis in the case of the modern hybridized wheat grain. If we are eating something that's not really designed for human consumption, the immune system go into a state of alert saying that's not designed for the human body. And there's lots of things in our modern diet which really ought not to be consumed. And for me, and one of the first things I recommend my clients is to consider replacing wheat, certainly in America, with something else. So the hybridized wheat grain is very inflammatory for just about everyone. And also dairy, for example, that has been tampered with. There is an argument for raw milk and organic raw milk to be okay with some people. For the most part, it's been messed with and it's gone through pasteurization. Sometimes there are hormones involved. That's not meant to happen again, but sometimes there are hormones involved. Something I stopped consuming when I had eczema. In fact, this was advised to me when I was even a child to take out wheat and dairy. But we, because it was such a staple food in our family, it was really difficult because that's what we were used to consuming every day. I'd start my day off with breakfast cereal and milk, which is like a bowl of inflammation. (laughs) And that was a normal way to start the day, plus the sugar content. My mom was very conscious about sugar, so we wouldn't by sugary cereals, but there was still a high sugar content in the grain combined with milk. So we're combining wheat and wealth milk and I was eating every single day, which is something I cut out pretty soon after I discovered about inflammation or reading about anti-inflammatory diets. And then that's one thing that I recommend most people. So for the most part, I'm still glue of those things today. So going back to your original question. Whatever we're eating that isn't in alignment with nature, we should be considering not eating that thing. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. And I know we're all bio-individual, right? We're all mm. going to react to inflammation a little bit absolutely, different, especially absolutely. dietary inflammation. Some of yeah. us have better tolerances, some of us not so much. And I love the idea that if you've got these this kind of inflammation of doing some sort of an elimination diet, right? Take dairy out for 30 days and see what happens, see how your body responds, see how how you feel, how your energy levels, all that stuff. And same with certainly wheat and other, I think those are really the big ones, right? Big triggers are wheat and dairy very commonly for us. Now we've got our arms around what systemic inflammation is, dietary causes. What are some, we, you had mentioned other things, we said internal, external factors. What are some other things that might cause chronic inflammation besides diet? Yeah. So, or is that really the, is that really our biggest one? I would say it's, it's a big one, but it's definitely not the biggest. For example, let's say you've got an infected root canal in your mouth or mercury. This can be a huge trigger. And this also affects your electrical body. We are the body electric. We're wired up like a house and our teeth. But believe it or not, like circuit breakers for the entire body. And if we have an infected root canal, we have several things going on. The infection can cause inflammation and it can drop the voltage to the system in which that tooth is connected to, much like a consumer board in your house. And you have these fuses in charge of each of the different circuits. So that's where our teeth come in. By the way, I found that out because my, I had EMF poisoning in 2017. When my immune system crashed from putting my phone next to my face the whole time and my phone depolarized three teeth on that side of the mouth connected to my immune system, we used lasers and my immune system went back to normal and then that was fine. I've just dropped a huge bit of information in there in three seconds. We might need to come back to that. But let's just go back to mercury and infections. Infections, one, could be, they could be anywhere in your body. They can cause inflammation, parasites as well. Whatever is happening in the immune system that's unusual can create inflammation. But mercury is a big one and infections, infected root canals are another big one. Yeah. So, and I think most people then could probably intuitively understand that, right? If you have an infection, that's going to cause inflammation. Some of that might be good inflammation coming in and fighting that infection. And then, of course, toxins. We're surrounded by toxins. And you had alluded to it earlier. It's actually, it's in our food. It's in our skincare products. It's in the medicines that we are prescribed or over, taking from over the counter. 
it's in our cleaning products. It's just, we are surrounded by all these, has these microtoxins, yes. right? So yeah. we're under this continuous load and that certainly isn't going to help our inflammation. Now, what about lifestyle factors? Things like just the your day-to-day, we're going to talk a little bit, I'm sure, about chronic stress or poor sleep or sedentary lifestyles. How do these impact systemic inflammation? Yeah, so lifestyle choices, if we're talking movement and choices we're making on a day-to-day basis, I just want to touch quickly on the cosmetic side of things because you alluded to it just then. It's very important to know what we're putting on the skin sure. because something, sure. part of our lifestyle might be putting cream on every single morning, which is part of, that's what right. I used to do. And I used to use these toxic creams. So we need to be mindful about what we put on our skin because our skin is a huge organ and it absorbs everything into the bloodstream. So we want to be going for something organic as or as close to nature as we possibly can. That includes deodorants. I was using antiperspirant deodorants for many years, which block off the exhaust in your... It's like blocking off an exhaust pipe. It's a crazy idea. So I tend to use a, an active, activated charcoal deodorant, which allows you to sweat and it dissolves the odor. Lifestyle choices. Being active is super important because we, if we are sedentary, we don't allow the body to expel toxins very well. We actually exhale 70% of our toxins from the, our breath and also our immune system via the lymphatic system. We expel toxins many ways. One of, the, one of the main ways is breath and the other one is the lymphatic system. And if we're sedentary, the lymphatic system doesn't work very well. So the lymphatic system requires for the body to body temperature to rise ever so slightly so the fluid can actually escape the various lymph nodes and from your skin and from other parts. If we are sedentary, that's not a good thing. There's a saying that sitting is the new smoking and veganism yeah. leads to all kinds of challenges. Yeah, lifestyle push is a huge. I also think about, I, I, like, I really try and simplify health. So if we think of our, ourselves as a cluster of cells, if we're 50 trillion cells, talk to Bruce Lipton or hundreds trillion cells, if you talk to another cell biologist, we're a lot of cells. And every single one of those cells requires yeah. feeding. They require oxygen, they require nutrients, they require, let's start again, oxygen, water, nutrients. They must be able to eliminate waste. We also need sleep. So if we can really fundamentally break it down to that, what do the cells need? If we're not moving, we're not getting enough oxygen and we're not expelling toxins. If we're not consuming enough water, we're not getting essential water to the cell that's going to be malnourished. If we're not getting nutrients, real nutrients, they're going to be malnourished. If we can cover those cell fuels, we're going to be doing pretty well. And a lot of people are falling short of absolutely fundamental cell fuels. Yeah, so cell fuel and cell health. I absolutely love where you're going there. All right, so I think we've got a good idea now what you mean when you say systemic inflammation. We've talked a little bit about some of the causes. Now, what are the what is the result, the end result of all this chronic inflammation? What are the chronic diseases, basically? What can happen? Like I said, we mentioned the eczema. You mentioned high blood pressure. I think asthma was another one. What are some of the things that come from these chronic diseases or this chronic inflammation? Well, pick an autoimmune disease, Crohn's, arth- rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis, ulcerative colitis. Chronic IBD, inflammatory bowel disease, any skin condition, asthma, cancer, heart disease, strokes, it all stems from inflammation. We often hear about heart attacks coming out of the blue. What if they're not out of the blue? What if there's a way of actually determining whether you're on the road to developing one by getting some blood tests for inflammation, which can tell you if you have elevated levels so you can then take action to bring them down. So cardiovascular diseases is huge. They're on the rise in the last two years for not on a record scale because there's a new inflammatory toxin in town. But it really does cause just about every chronic illness. So I see symptoms like skin conditions and asthma, like early warning signs to help us take action to prevent some further harm down the road. If we don't take action on why we've got some kind of skin condition now, and we just use a band-aid solution and just those steroid creams, the underlying cause is left unattended and it's getting worse and worse. 
Plus, you've then got the side effects of the treatment, of the medi- medication. Do I struggle to call medicine? But it, let's call it medication. It, there's not a single drug in town that doesn't, in town, there's not a single drug in the world that doesn't come with side effects. So not only is the underlying cause being masked, it's being allowed to worsen. And then you have the knock-on effect of the medications. So your body has to recover twice, once from the illness and then once from the medication. That's actually a quote from William Osler, the father of modern medicine. That's what happens if we take medication and we don't actually attend the root cause, attend to the root cause. Yeah, and I think that most of my listeners probably understand that our modern medical system here in the West is built around, I mean, look, I don't want to knock modern mm. medicine. It's fantastic if you're acutely ill, if you fall 100%. down and you break a bone there, that's who you want. If you're, if you've let chronic and systemic inflammation go so far to where you have a stroke or a heart attack, that's what you want. However, to your point for these, you mentioned on these skin conditions or high blood pressure or pre-diabetes or diabetes, all these other things, right? Perhaps not so good there because it's more of a band-aid, right? And we have this very large financial system built around chronically ill people where I don't believe it's an evil cabal of evil people all in a room just wringing their hands with glee as they're making all this money. But there, there is a financial reality to these systems that are set up that are definitely benefited benefiting financially from us being sick and unhealthy and chronically that way. So We'll, we'll leave a pin in that for a minute, but you had mentioned something earlier. You said, hey, there's, we can tell if we have chronic inflammation, if we ha- how much inflammation we have in our body. What kind of tests are we talking about? If I go to the doctor, is he or she going to say, hey, let's test you for this? Or is this something that would happen, should happen normally in a checkup? Or is this something that we've got to ask for specifically? What's involved in that? I would always ask, first, yeah, first port of call, go to the doctor and ask for an, an inflammatory marker test. And one of the main ones is C-reactive protein, high sensitivity C-reactive protein. There are several, there's homocysteine, there's TNF-alpha, there's different ones. But the main one I tend to start with is high sensitivity C-reactive protein. One of my favorite functional medicine doctors is Dr. Mark Hyman. And on his site, he talks about how this one blood test can save your life. And it's one that no one does unless you request for it. So when I work predominantly with guys, I've worked with many women over my, over the seven year period I've been coaching as well, but with guys, let's say a guy, let's say one has low testosterone. And the, one of the main reasons for low testosterone, believe it or not, is high levels of chronic inflammation. So when I work with guys, I get them to do a testosterone panel and an inflammatory market test panel. So what normally happens or what is normally ele- is normally evident is elevated inflammation, low testosterone. So we bring the inflammation down and testosterone tends to go up. So it's like an inverse relationship. So yeah, high sensitivity C-reactive protein is one to start with. Okay. And so folks would, they would need to ask for that typically, unless you've got a good functional doctor that's on top of things, that's probably not something that you're going to get just as a part of your routine medical care. All right. Okay. Neil, I think we set a good, we set a good foundation here. Now in your book, The Vitality Secret, and I know you talk about this on your podcast a lot as well, you have these pillars of vitality, you got the physical, mental, emotional, and energetic is your fourth pillar. I'd love to spend some time breaking down what you mean by these pillars of vitality and then how we can apply each one to our lives. So let's start with the physical, because I think we've already talked a little bit about nutrition and exercise, but let's start with that physical pillar. Yes. So the first ones, as you said, nutrition, exercise, the other ones are just finding out where toxins are coming from. So environmental toxins. For example, and internal toxins. Environmental toxins can be electromagnetic fields, for example. That's a huge one right now. Some people are sleeping next to a Wi-Fi router, which is not a good idea. Or they're sleeping next to the phone, which is constantly receiving signals. Or they've got earbuds. They've got these new Bluetooth earbuds in, which are transmitting right into the brain where there's no protection. I've never, ever purchased those things in my life. I know it might be a controversial statement, but there's... 
a lot of evidence to suggest it's not a good idea putting them next to your, uh, your brain because it's a transmitter and it's a battery. In fact, I actually interviewed the business partner of Mark, sorry, Nassim Haramayan. His name is Mark Hines on my podcast about a month ago. And Nassim Haramayan has supposedly superseded Einstein. Anyway, they've got this, they're massive into the quantum world and energy and interconnectedness. And they say one of the biggest threats that there is to humanity right now is EMFs, electromagnetic fields. So that's one of the main toxins to pay attention to right now, I would say. There could be other toxins in the environment. You could be living near a chemical plant, for example. Your house could be built on a chemical plant. This actually happened to someone I know a few years ago. They lived a very healthy life. They couldn't understand why, he couldn't understand why his wife got cancer. And it wasn't until after she passed, they found out that they were, their house was near a chemical plant. So we need to understand that toxins are in the environment and where they might be coming from. The water supply is a big thing. We're going back to diet in a way, but the water supply is a fundamental cell fuel. We need to be drinking pure, the purest of water money can buy, which is toxin-free. That's an environmental aspect to consider. Is your water supply coming from? And is it pure? Are you drinking water which is full of plastics? A that can be an estrogenic, that can have an estrogenic effect on the body as well if we're consuming these plastic particles. So we just, with functional medicine, and I've used the principles of functional medicine when I coach, go down a che checklist, where are potential toxins coming from? And I talk about reverse engineering it because you do a bit of, you become your own kind of doctor, if you will, and just ask all the questions. Where could I possibly be facing toxins in my life? Where in the environment might they be coming? So that's environmental. Then there's the internal toxins. And I touched on those earlier. Could there be mercury in the mouth? By the way, if you've got mercury in the mouth, not a good idea to get it just removed willy-nilly. We've got to do it very carefully and with a functional medicine or rather holistic dentist or biological dentist and very carefully staggered. But mercury in the mouth could be a huge toxin for the body. They could be parasites. You could be, you could have a fungal overgrowth. They could be an, any kind of infection in the body. They could be some kind of internal toxin causing inflammation. So that's my physical pillar, if you like. Okay. So we've got all of this, the exercise and nutrition and the toxins. And then what is your prescription for folks to, to take charge of this part of their life. We've talked a little bit about the nutrition side, right? Clearly, if there are some triggers for you, get rid of those. Let's just wholesale move away as much as is practical from these ultra-processed foods to more real, natural foods. But in terms of the exercise, what would your prescription be for somebody who's looking to really optimize their health and be vital? I mean, is do you say, obviously, we're going to meet people where they are, but what is it? What's an ideal prescription for us to move in a healthy manner? A great question. And as you said earlier, every body is different. Wherever we are at, the main message I'd like to communicate is just to be active. We don't need to spend hours in the gym. In fact, that can be counterproductive. It can actually cause inflammation, believe it or not, with too much cardio. So we want to be active. And that might be as just basic as walking. I've got clients who've got into great shape just by walking and moving. The body is designed to move. So if we can find some movement that we incorporate into everyday life, preferably do something you love to do because exercise can be a chore for some, or it can be perceived as a chore for some people. So if we can do something that we love to do, pick a sport, maybe dance, maybe I'm a kite surfer, windsurfer, snowboarder, that's all active. It's all active. Yeah, do something you love to do because we are designed to move. And if we can love moving, then it's, it doesn't become like something we have to do. So start loving walking if that's what it is. If you're already sedentary, just start moving. If you're already active, just keep up being active. I think the more that we are active every day, the more that we are going to be feeding ourselves that's ultimately what we want, want to be thinking about. Do whatever we can to feed ourselves because each, each one of our cells has exactly the same biological processes that we do. 
So activity is essential because we need to oxygenate and we need to detoxify those cells. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Certainly finding something that you're passionate about or that you love to do in the movement arena, because this isn't something you're going to do for three months while you lose those 10 pounds or whatever, right? This is a something that we want to incorporate into the the rest of our life. We want to do this forever, right? This movement. All right, Neil, we've got your next pillar of vitality is the mental. What do you mean when you say mental? So yeah, the mental is our thoughts, really. And it's our thoughts and it's our beliefs. And our thoughts and beliefs are the language of the mind. Feelings and emotions are the language of the body. Our brain is like the governor of every cell in our body. We, the power of our mind over the body is almost unbelievable. We know about the placebo effect. We know that if you take a pill, if you take an inert substance, it has nothing in it. And through the sheer power of belief, that pill is going to reverse your symptom. And you're taking that every single day, maybe twice or three times a day, whatever frequency is. In a matter of days, weeks, months, people can literally heal their bodies by taking a placebo pill. So it is scientifically proven that we can heal the body through thought alone. That's what that is. And that's, depending on the trial you look at, responsible for around 30%, sorry, 30% of results in randomized placebo trials. So we know the body is phenomenally powerful and the mind can literally heal the body. Imagine the placebo effect in reverse the nocebo effect. If we are every day, we can literally create illness through thought alone. We can create healing through thoughts alone. We can create illness through thoughts alone. And if we're having stressful thoughts, we can actually, we start to generate the hormones and a, an environment in the body which is not conducive to healing. Let's just put it that way. <clears throat> and we start to compromise the immune system. Stressful thoughts lead to chronic stress, and then we downregulate our genes and ultimately live by the hormones of stress, which are pro-disease. The mind is a very powerful thing, and a lot of people don't understand the power that we have over our thoughts, over our minds, over our emotions. But back to the mental piece is really thoughts and beliefs. So we need to look into the belief systems have? What are we telling ourselves every day? What are those thoughts that we're having? And becoming the conscious observer of our thoughts so we can catch ourselves if we're spiraling in a way which is not conducive to creating healing in the body. So that's the mental piece in a nutshell. As you might imagine, that's quite a big one. And we go quite deep into that. That is quite a big yeah. one. Yeah. But I think the big takeaway there, what I hear you saying is that we can create both healing as well as illness with our thoughts and so, beliefs. And yeah, that I hadn't heard it I hadn't heard it put in the context of kind of the reverse of a placebo effect. I think we're all aware that the placebo effect is a thing and that it's real. But when you talk about its inverse, that's very interesting yeah. that we've got that power over ourselves. Now, just like I asked you on the physical, when it comes to this mental component, this mental pillar, what are some practical takeaways that are, what are the big levers that we can use to really optimize our, this mental pillar? Yeah, great question. I would say first and foremost, one thing is we need to be committed to our health and vitality. When I work with my clients, we spend the first session and the, I have a task to help people get really mentally committed to that task or, or the their vitality. I don't even, I don't call it like an eight week vitality program. It's sort of like a do once and never again thing. It's the, or it's adopting new principles. So the mind, we have to get clued up for a number of reasons, the placebo versus nocebo effect, but also just being committed to our health and well-being and vitality. And there's a number of things that we can do to do that. Because if we're currently not moving, for example, why aren't we doing that? We need to get clear on why we're not moving our bodies or why have we allowed ourselves to fall out of shape if someone's out of shape for example so it's about figuring out what is standing in our ways what are our beliefs what do we allow ourselves to think to not really prioritize our health for example and flip that on its head to say what's really important for me do, is vitality important for me is my health important for me why is it important for me 
and getting really crystal clear on a, a vision, ultimately, and why we want that and how that's going to impact our lives in different ways. So back to your question, what are the, what's one of the most important things to do mentally is to get clear on why we want to be healthy and vital. I find really finding out what our motivators are and not just motivators, but how can we become inspired? Because motivation is as if we're kicking ourselves into action. Whereas inspiration is as if we're being pulled forward by this vision far greater than ourselves. And if we can tune into that, the whole thing is far more enjoyable. And if one has children, for example, or wife, partner, children, I think tuning our vitality towards wanting to be more for them can be one of the most powerful forces to help us be inspired or motivated, whichever one is right for you. Yeah, I love that distinction between motivation and inspiration. I often say that motivation is great for getting you started mm, to do something, yes. but it's a lousy long-term strategy because it's very fickle at best, whereas being inspired in the way that you're talking about is much more sustainable. And it ties in very nicely with knowing your why, 100%. right? Understanding why you want this vital, healthy life versus the opposite of that and tying that to something that's meaningful for you. You gave the example of maybe I want to be healthy for my children. I want to be a good example for them, or I want to be a, I want to be around for my spouse and be healthy and capable and able to do things together. So some great advice there. All right. So our third pillar here is your emotional pillar. And you reference this just a little bit, talking about the mental side. I guess the two of those obviously go together a bit. But what do you mean when you say emotional pillar of vitality? Yeah. So I've touched on earlier how thoughts and beliefs are the language of the mind, feelings and emotions are the language of the body. And we, everything's connected. And we need to just be aware of our emotional state. And the easiest, most tangible connection I can make now is probably understanding stress. So if we are feeling stressed a lot, we need to be aware of it and where the stress is coming from. And understand what stress is. So it is often spoken about how 90% of illness is down to chronic stress. And this is a statistic. And the reason for it is the hormones of stress create an environment conducive to disease, not wellness and vitality. And if we are in a stressed state, one of the first things we need to do is to take ourselves out of the stressed state. So we can put ourselves, create the environments in our body. I'm using the word environment a lot. It's from the term epigenetics, how it's the environment in the body that signals the health of our genes and our cells. And we want to be doing our best to create an environment conducive to healing and growth, repair, recovery. And if one is chronic stre chronically stressed, which is not unusual in our modern day, if someone is in, in your market and and your listeners, for example, over 50s, if they're in a high pressure job and constantly meeting deadlines and meeting demands from people, from boss, from family, from like, coming all over the place, it's not unusual to feel the emotion of stress a lot. So we just need to be mindful of it and understanding that it does impact our biology and our expression of our genes and our DNA. And if we can understand that, then we need to find ways to really bring the stress down and find ways to be more calm. And this goes beyond having a massage and going for a walk, which are important. Being in nature, wonderful for de-stressing and exercising. It's amazing for de-stressing. Being active, amazing for de-stressing. I once heard that if we are sedentary, it is a depressant. We need to be active to have our own natural antidepressants in our body. And further to other techniques to reduce stress, one of the best things I like to talk about is emotional intelligence and emotional fitness and understanding what stress really is. One of my first favorite definitions of stress, I think it was Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi who wrote the book Flow, Living in the Behavior Abilities. He said, stress is your internal response to external strains. So it's how we perceive our world around us. It's not the stressor, it's not the stressor itself. It's not traffic, for example, traffic 
that's a stressor for so many people. They just, a lot of people just lose their minds when they're in stress, in traffic. I've got to, I'll take responsibility. I've done that myself. And what's really the case is we are in a, we're sedentary and we're not moving. We're behind lots of parked cars. It's not a, it's not a, it's not stress. The stress is how we interpret it. So two people can be in a traffic jam and interpret it in an entirely different way. Both late for work. One person can call their boss, tell them they're going to be late and then listen to music and listen to a podcast, your podcast or my podcast, but for example, and just chill out and use that time constructively. Another person will be effing and blinding, will be swearing, sorry, that's an English term, swearing, weaving in and out of traffic, cutting other cars up and swearing at people. And you can see, you can virtually see their veins popping out of their head and their neck and red in the face. That's a biological response to a choice of how to respond to that situation. Imagine that, I'm just, I've just used quite an extreme example, but on a day-to-day basis, how are we responding to our demands? The deadline to get a work assignment in is real, and how are we going to interpret it? So a lot of it is really understanding that we, get a, we have a choice of how we perceive our world. We can see things positively or we can see things negatively. And we get to navigate that all the time. And this is a fundamental piece when I work with my clients, because a lot of people experience stress all the time. So we're working, we work with ways to perceive these things in a different way that doesn't cause this stress response in the body doesn't cause one to live by the hormones of stress, which is most people, and to create create an environment of harmony in the body, which is what we ultimately want. Yeah, I feel like we've almost come full circle here. We started this podcast, we started top of the show talking about the just the the problems associated with this systemic inflammation. It certainly stress exacerbates that, right? It's that is a big component there. And so I suppose then our takeaways, our practical takeaways on the emotional pillar for getting that under control is, I think you spelled it out pretty well, right? It's going to be that activity that taking a walk outside, especially being in nature, it has multiple benefits, Mm. right? You're getting some physical benefits and you're also getting some of those emotional mental benefits as well. And then I'm 100% with you on the chronic stress. We've got to get that managed somehow. We might not always be able to control the stressors, as you said, but we absolutely can can start to learn to control how we respond and react to that stress. And that can have a major impact on our health. I agree wholeheartedly with you there. All right. So your fourth pillar here and your pillars of vitality is the energetic pillar. Talk to us. What do you mean by energetic pillar? Yeah. And this is the, for me, the most exciting of all of them, because it's, I almost see this as like the reward when you go on your vitality journey, because it's like a, it's a discovery that we are mostly energy. We aren't these separated meat robots. We are mostly energy. We are non-physical energy in physical bodies. When we zoom into the body enough, we find out we're 99.9999999% empty space. We're energy. And 0.0001% matter. And one of, I've, there are many teachers that I've, explored over my over the last few years. And one of my favorites is I'm gonna give credit where it's due, Dr. Dodo Dodo Spenza. And he is one of my favorite teachers in this space. I've just recently attended one of his events in Cancun. And he's really connecting the dots with science and data and showing we can do in the body with meditation, with visualization, with various energetic practices where we can literally change our biology by entering the, the realm of energy, where we're entering a meditative space where we get connected to the field, this field of intelligence that we are surrounded by and we are a part of. And it is amazing when we understand we are energy, we are more energy than we are physical. And he's got data to prove that when we are like over a matter of days at his advanced retreats, they've measured blood. They've taken drawn blood at the beginning, drawn blood after seven days. There is new information in the blood after seven days, anti-cancer metabolites. 
we've had an upgrade in DNA in our genes. And there's all this new information that happens when we do this meditation. And he says to the scientists, can, can you just confirm that in, this new information is there in the blood? The blood contains all kinds of information. And the scientist says, yes, it's there. And can, Joe Dispenza says, can you say, why is that? And he's like, no, apparently it's from focusing on nothing. And we're laughing at this point because we're four or five days into the event. And that's what we're doing. We're focusing on nothing. We're becoming resistant free. We're focusing on the field. And sometimes we might be visualizing. We might be embodying the energy of someone we want to be. This is ultimately it. It's talking about visualization, for example. It's just being in an open, focused meditation where we just surrender of all thought as much as we can and just be the observer of our thoughts and don't get attached to those, those rest techniques. But with visualization, you're ultimately feeling the feeling of who we want to become to embody the energy of that biting person, man, woman, or a new relationship or abundance, whatever it is, we are embodying the energy of the person we are aspiring to be in a meditative space. And He's measuring all the blood. He's measuring everything. People have reversed cancers in days. They've reversed autoimmune diseases in days. Deaf people are hearing again. Blind people are seeing again. Handicapped people are walking in. All through meditation. There's no other, there's no one else doing it. It's themselves. And this is where things get so exciting. I've got a, you, as you might have seen on my podcast, a few people reverse some of the most incurable of incurable things. I should do quote, I'm not need quotation marks here. Incurable, according to one form of learning, which is Western medicine, it's incurable. Drugs and surgery, they say they can't cure it. However, the body is far better than that. The body can heal. My belief is the body can heal anything within reason. It's probably going to be much harder to rerun an arm if you've lost a limb. But let's talk about organs which are out of balance. My belief is the body can heal anything. And he's got case studies over many years of the most incurable of incurable illnesses being reversed often in days by understanding the quantum realm the energy realm the fact that we are energy in physical bodies so if we were to start the coaching program and i went straight into that in week one i'd probably lose a lot of attention from my client but when we come in in week seven or week eight and we start talking about it and there's been a progression and learning experience it starts to become more tangible. And for some, it's not tangible, and that's fine. And it's just a matter of when. And it will come onto the, into the, onto the radar at some point. But that, for me, is the most exciting pillar of all of them. Everyone covers energy, ultimately. But it's, I've I talk about the final pillar as being energy because it encapsulates everything. One thing I'll talk about just quickly here is what I call the hierarchy of healing. At the bottom, you've got the physical, then you've got the emotional, and then you've got the mental, and then you've got energy. One can, one can heal their body without doing any of the physical, any of the emotional or mental, purely by doing the energy work. That's quite a, that's quite a claim, and I've seen it. So the thing is, for most people, they won't start with energy. And I think it's super important to look up and take care of our bodies or physically, mentally, emotionally, all of those things. I'm just saying what is possible. It's just, it's extraordinary and it's exciting, I think, about that pillar. Okay. Certainly I can tell that you're passionate about it. It does sound very exciting. And now for somebody listening to this and going, okay, I was with you till we got to the energy part. Where, what would you say to somebody is a, just a easy babysat into this, into a practice to help with their energetic health. And on that, is it just going to be starting with some sort of a meditation practice? As, as I heard you say meditation in there multiple mm -hmm. times, where do we practically start to get into touch with these energetic fields and maybe start to do some of that work to get to where the places that you're talking about, where we can make these life-changing changes in our either our mental or our emotional or physical bodies? Yeah, great question. So meditation can be in, in so many forms, by the way. We could just walk in nature and that could be meditation. Mm -hmm. You can go swimming, that's meditation. You can go surfing, that's a meditation. 
It's just being off our devices sometimes can be meditation. We often hear about the light bulb, light, light bulb moments when we have those ideas in the shower. And it's when we just, we're not really focusing on anything. And we're just allowing, we're at the frequency to allow these insights and ideas to come in. So you don't have to become a monk to meditate. You don't have to go into Tibet for 10 years and sit on top of a mountain. There's lots of ways to meditate. If you do want to meditate in a way that's you're sat and just being calm, then I would start with just five minutes and just get an app on, there's so many apps now available and just sit and be quiet and just be aware and know that the brain's always going to be active. And the more that we do it, it just gets easier to get into a space where we're not really focusing on anything. And I once saw, heard it described as just being the passenger of your thoughts. So people get frustrated. I can't meditate. And I was the same. Almost everyone starts that way. And it's absolutely fine. And it's totally normal. And it's not easy to just shut off the brain. And it's just going, okay, here's a thought, be aware of it and let it pass, be the passenger. Then the next thought comes in, being aware of it. It's just being more aware. It's like meditation is a practice of awareness as well. There are exactly so many ways to meditate. So don't be cut off by it. And the more you, more, the more we learn about it and the more that we understand that we're doing it a lot anyway, it becomes more accessible, more tangible. That's why I brought the light bulb moment in, because I think most people can relate to it. And that's where we can get downloads in meditation. When we quieten our mind, that's when we get these downloads. We can get solutions to problems like that, that we could otherwise intellectualize for days, weeks, years. And it just have to be the one swift moment in a meditation. And that could be in the shower. Okay. No, I, and I'm with you there on the meditation, right? You don't need to be a monk. You don't need to. It's not this Herculean effort. You can start with five minutes of just quieting your mind, or you're probably not going to quiet your mind for five minutes the first time you try this. You're probably going to get about 10 seconds in before a thought comes in, and it might be, hey, this is stupid, or oh, what am I going to have for breakfast, or holy moly, I've got this deadline. It just allowing those things to pass through, like you said, to be that passenger almost, that, that watcher. Before we go here, it just it occurs to me that as you're talking about this energetic pillar and understanding that your energy and that how that how you might manifest that energy energy towards your health, do you have thoughts one way or the other on using some of the hallucinogenic medicines out there as a part of this journey? The reason I ask that, I just recently had uh, Matt Zeman just wrote a book recently called Hallucinogenics for Everybody, where he's really talking about using these substances as healing for things like anxiety and addiction and PTSD, et cetera. But he also was talking a lot about shifting worldviews and perceptions. Do you have thoughts along those lines? So many, and I love everything you just said. It's funny you ask this question because <laughs> I've just come off an ayahuasca weekend and a ceremony over the weekend in Mexico, oh. and I'm down here in Mexico. And it was phenomenal. I've used, I, I used, I've experienced, I've attended ceremonies since 2016. And ayahuasca for me is a very, very powerful one. Along with psilocybin, I've done some guided psilocybin journeys and DMT 5-MeO. So yes, I've used them. I don't like, I don't like using the term use because it has a negative connotation as we do with drugs. And I don't, you, I don't describe these as drugs. I consider them medicines. They're called plant medicines. One, because they're from a plant. And secondly, because they help the body to heal. They literally help the body to heal. There are studies at various universities in the UK, Imperial College London that's done a body of research on using ayahuasca and psilocybin in helping people with depression and trauma and anxiety. John's, John, Hops, yeah, John Hopkins in your country is also huge in that. Michael Poland's got a course on Netflix, a documentary series called Make, I think it's called Change, How to Change Your Mind, I think is what it's called. I actually right. saw him present in London a few years ago when he released his book. There's a series called Psychedelica on Gaia, which is really mind-opening on this subject as well. So yes, they are, they're not for everyone and they come with risks. And in answer to your question, yes, I've got experience in it. And for me, 
one of the fastest ways to have a connection with a field of intelligence far greater than ourselves, this another realm, if you like, a DMT that you, that is compound that you're consuming ultimately with ayahuasca, D-methyltryptamine. It's known as the spirit molecule, and it gives us this gateway into another realm of consciousness. And it enables us to have that undeniable experience that we are far greater than these physical bodies. And I've met many people since 2016 when I started who have viewed, or I was almost going to say it again, who have experienced healing with the use of psychedelics and yeah, the, these plant medicines. So that, that's, that could, we could talk for hours on that subject. And I was in my ice bath <laughs> right. an hour ago, just doing a little video on that. It's amazing. Ice bath, amazing by the way, for meditation as well. Yes, they, I'm a fan. I just want to be open. They're not for everyone. They do come with risks. And personally, I am a fan of them because give us that experience that is so empowering, so inspiring and healing ultimately. Yeah. I, thanks for sharing that. And I suspected you might answer that way, just given where we ended there on that whole energetic piece. And I just wanted to tie this all together as we're wrapping up here for folks. Neil, what's next for you? What's on the horizon for you personally? I'm about to launch my third book, which is going to be called The Vitality Code. And that covers the four pillars of vitality. My, my last book, which is The Vitality Secret, which is, I don't mind me showing that, is the, that was a 2016 version, which is mostly about chronic inflammation. The Vitality Code is really going into those four pillars that we've discussed today, the physical, mental, emotional, energetic. And I talk about reverse engineering illness in that book. And yeah, that, that's the next big milestone. I'm also building out a platform and got some exciting things, doing some more speaking globally and taking part in summits and just getting the word out as much as I possibly can and trying to reach more people and show them this stuff. The more people, the more of us like yourself, showing people that we're capable of as human beings, we are far more, pow we are far more powerful than we have ever been allowed to believe. And my desire my inspiration is to get this into the hands of as many people as I can. Because once we step away from the old paradigm and into the new paradigm, life gets really exciting. Yeah, that's a great place to leave it right there. I am 100% with you that we are far more powerful than we have been, that we allow ourselves mm. to believe, I think, a lot mm. of times. So stepping away from the old paradigm and into the new, that's all great stuff. Neil, how can people that hear this and it resonates with them and they want to connect with you, what's the best way for folks to connect with you? My website is vitalitysecret.com, which is a secret with a singular, there's not an S on the end, vitalitysecret.com. If they go to vitalitysecret.com forward slash book, they can get my last book as a download in e-copy. It's also on Amazon and same as the Vitality Secret. And that's probably the best place to contact me. And on there, you can book a consultation, a discovery call, or you can email me at neil at vitalitysecret.com as well. Great. And folks, I will make sure I put that into the show notes here, as well as a link to the book. Neil also has a podcast. It is the Vitality Secret Podcast, I believe is the name of it, right? Yes. The voice, sorry, podcast yep. is okay. Vitality yep. Secret Podcast. Yeah. Yep. 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 Got it. And uh, I'll put all your Instagram, oh, yeah, social, social, media, social all that good stuff that. in the show Thank notes you. as well. So folks can connect there. Yeah. Great. Neil, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your knowledge and your wisdom and certainly your passion with us in this space. And I just wish you all the best in all your future endeavors. Kevin, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. It's flowed so easily. I love these kind of conversations. Thank you so much. Okay, that's our show for today, folks. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I want to let you know that we have other free resources over at silveredgefree.com. There you'll find our free guides with our top tips on nutrition, exercise, and healthy lifestyle to assist you in your weight loss and fitness journey. So feel free to head over there and download anything that looks useful to you. 
I'll put links to everything we talked about in the show notes, and you can find that over at silveredgefitness.com slash episode 161. As we wrap up our time together today, you can show your support for this show in two important ways. One is to tell a friend about this podcast and encourage them to give it a listen. The second is for you YouTube folks to click the like and subscribe buttons and you podcast folks to consider giving this podcast a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on and be sure to subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future episodes. I really appreciate you spending your time with me today and until next time, stay strong. Stay strong.